Brilliant. I'm going to interrupt you if I may. Uh, I did warn you, didn't I? We're, we're kind of thinking big, in a way, this morning. What's the point of human life? It doesn't get much bigger than that, I suppose. Uh, where we find our answer. Uh, what a particularly Christian answer might look like. Uh, how that's shown in our lives together. Um, I guess we're not going to kind of share wh- where we came out. But um, instinctively, I suppose, we feel that whatever our answer is to that question... Uh, it needs to uh, provide human life with a certain dignity, a certain uh, significance, uh, a certain jewel. Uh, instinctively, that is what we want for uh, what it means to be human. I don't know if you've seen the, the original kind of Star Wars film. Um, it starts off with got uh, sort of Luke Skywalker, who's sort of in this backwater desert planet, um, not doing very much. And basically, he gets brought into a bigger story, this sort of cosmic story of uh, good versus evil, of evil empires, and uh, and uh, a new way of living, rebelling against that, and uh, all these things. And basically, his life acquires a significance and a meaning as he's brought into a bigger story. Uh, what we're going to think about this morning is the, the grand sweep of God's big story. Uh, so that we can locate ourselves, understand ourselves, who we are, what we're all about, in that big story. Uh, so that we're not living, if you like, just isolated in a backwater, but we're, we're brought into it. Uh, and we can take a full and active uh, part in what it is God's doing in the world. So with that in mind, uh, our Bible readings, um, Simon, are you reading? Are you expecting to read this one? Brilliant. Uh, if you want to come and read, um, we're, we're sort of purple sheets uh, this morning. Uh, Simon, if you could just read for us uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, uh, and then the last of our Revelation readings there, Revelation uh, 22, 3 to 5. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so they they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9. Oh, sorry. Okay, 23 to 5. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. Then they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Bullet. 
Uh, so there we have, if you like, the kind of bookends of God's big story for this world. At uh, the very beginning, the very uh, end. Uh, and right at the, sto- uh, the start of the story there, we get, if you like, humankind's job description. Uh, the purpose for which you and I and everybody else uh, was made. Now, Christians, will it provide the kind of dignity and meaning and, and joy that we kind of crave that it would? Uh, let's have a look together. What, what is humankind to do? Uh, it's there in verse uh, 28, I suppose. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, we're to fill the earth. Uh, if you want to fill in the blanks that are there at the bottom, uh, the first blank is fill. We're to fill at the earth. Uh, and we're to do that in order to uh, rule. Do you see that? Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it in verse 28. Uh, we get that trailed for us in uh, verse 26. Uh, that they may rule over creation. Uh, that's the last of the blacks. Uh, rule. Uh, but I suppose the question is, what, what kind of rule is it going to be? Is it going to be a rule that allows uh, creation to flourish, allows people to flourish in their joy and meaning and significance? Or uh, is it the kind of rule that often we see in the world that kind of squashes and oppresses people? Uh, what kind of rule is it going to be? Uh, well, to understand what kind of rule it's going to be, we need to see what it is that qualifies us to rule. And that's there in verse uh, 26. God says, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. It's being in God's image and his likeness that that qualifies us to rule. Uh, That patterns there again in verse 27-28. God creates humankind in his image uh, and his likeness, and then verse 28, he gives them a job. It's the way it always goes in the Bible. Identity, then activity. Who we are because of what God has done, and then what we're to do. Uh, who are we then? We're made in the image of God. The question is, what does that mean? What does it mean to uh, bear God's image, to be in his likeness? What it can't mean is external appearance. That's because God is spirit. He doesn't have eyes and a nose. He doesn't have hair or the lack of it. Uh, he doesn't have skin colour. Uh, so to be in God's image, his likeness, it, it can't be an external thing. Uh, I guess we've got, got a hint of that. If you can think back to 1 Samuel that we were looking at together uh, after Easter this year. Uh, there God chooses a king for his people. Uh, he sends his prophet to Jesse and his uh, sons. And Jesse looks at people who are externally really impressive. They're big and they're strong and they're good looking. And he thinks, this surely is the kind of king that God would want to rule. And God says, no, that's not how I work. I, I don't look at the outside. I don't look at external appearances. I look at the hearts. And so he chooses David, the man after his own heart. The one who uh, loves what he loves. When God looks for qualifications to rule, that's what he's looking for. Someone who loves as he does. So we get a clue as to that. I guess that idea of image and likeness also has the idea of reflecting God, revealing him. If you go to Ely Cathedral, it's famous for its um, roof. 
not really up on my church architecture. Basically, the ceiling is quite impressive. Okay, it's got kind of carvings and, and stuff. Um, but if you spent all your time wandering around Ely Cathedral looking up, then you get a crick in your neck and you, you bump into other people. So what they do is they they've got all these tables laid out with mirrors on them at, a, at an angle. And so you go to the mirror and you look into the mirror and you see reflected for you the the glory of the the ceiling or whatever the technical term is. Uh, There's a sense in which that is what it means for us uh, to be God's image bearers, to be like him. Uh, It's so that uh, as people look at us, we are reflecting at ground level the glory of the God who made us. That would reflect uh, him at ground level. Uh, that's something what it is to be uh, God's likeness. The, the idea of image actually was, was around a lot in the ancient Near East at the time that Genesis was, was written. Uh, what kings used to do to uh, kind of extend their rule across the world uh, was to set up stone images of themselves. That's a rather more negative example, but it, it still goes on today. If you think of uh, the fall of Saddam Hussein, uh, all over Iraq at that time were big stone images of Saddam. Uh, and people toppled those images when uh, he was toppled as a way of saying he doesn't rule here anymore. Uh, but that's been going on in, in uh, that part of the world for thousands and thousands of years. The way that a king said, I rule here, was to set up images, to fill his uh, kingdom with uh, his image. Well, how does uh, the God who made the world, the the giver of life, uh, do that in a fuller way? How does he say, I rule here? How does he extend his rule, not with lifeless statues that are similar in external appearance? He litters his creation with living image bearers. People who have hearts uh, like his own hearts. People who are like him because they love what he loves. Who love him as the God who made him, whose rule they live by. And so because they're like that, because they are like him and they love him, because they reflect him at ground level, they can represent him and extend his rule across the world. If you like, they're made to be little servant kings under the rule of the great king. That's the picture here. Uh, Imagine, if you will, a world full of people who are reflecting at ground level God's character, his generosity, his creativity, his uh, beauty, his wisdom, his capacity to love. That'd be heaven, wouldn't it? According to the Bible, that is the purpose of human life. That is who we are made to be and what we are made to do. I hope you get a flow. It has tremendous meanings and a tremendous dignity to reflect at ground level the majesty of the God who made us, because we're made in His image, and to represent Him in the world, to extend His rule. That is life as it's supposed to be lived. The Bible says, as a bird soars in the air, as a fish glides through the water, so life fully lived in line with our God-given identity and purpose, is to rule as little kids, 
for and with and under the great king. It's playing our part in filling the world with people who like God, who love God, who represent him and extend his rule. There's all the blanks you can fill them out if you can follow. That's worth stopping and reflecting. Is, is that the driving purpose in our lives? Is that who we understand ourselves to be? Or have we in some way settled for less? Are we ignoring or rejecting our God-given identity? Because we know, can't we, that's not how the world is now. We've, we've looked, if you like, at the bookends, the very end of God's big story. It, it starts with little kings ruling under the great king as his servant kings. It ends with uh, people who are uh, little servant kings ruling under the great servant king, Jesus Christ. Uh, But in between, the world is not like that. Uh, We live as people who, well, we love what we love. uh, And we rule for ourselves. Uh, Rather than extend his kingdom, we say, well, my kingdom come, my will be done. I know better. Uh, In a sense... God's image is spoiled in us so that we no longer reflect him at ground level. Now, if you like, you can picture those old-fashioned sort of fairground mirrors where you look in it and, you know, one mirror you'll sort of squat and another mirror you're ridiculously long or you're all legs and no head or all head and no legs. We're like that now. We're fairground mirrors. We distort and we twist at what God is like. So instead of loving as he loves with generosity and kindness, we often love uh, for our own self-interest. We don't use power to build people up all too often, it's used to squash people down. Uh, We're no longer extending his influence and his grace in the world, we're out for ourselves. Uh, And what that means is we can't any longer look at each other and figure out what God is like, because we're not reliable uh, at reflecting him anymore. We're these strange fairground mirrors. But within God's big story, when you see that God's plan hasn't changed, uh, you see that it might be worth later just looking through those various verses uh, from Revelation. The end of the story is God filling the world with people who are like him, who love him who love what he loves, who are these little servant kings under the great servant king. People who are enjoying that supremely meaningful and dignified and joyful life. God's purpose for his people hasn't changed. Now what I'm going to suggest we do is, just take a moment of pause. In a moment we're going to confess our sins in the words that are printed there on the sheets. But it's worth, before we do that, just pausing and reflecting. To what extent are we living our lives in line with this God-given purpose? To what extent are we the people who he made us to be? In what ways do we not live as little servant kings under the great servant king? Uh, let's pause for a moment. Uh, and then I'll leave us in the prayer confession that's there.
So let me invite you, if you're trusting Jesus, to pray this with me. Heavenly Father, you made us to be like you, to love what you love, so that the way we live would show what you are like and bring you glory. You made us in your image to be little servant kings of our great king, ruling creation for you and with you. We are sorry that we've spoiled and distorted your likeness in us. We have not loved as you love. In too many ways, our lives don't show others what you are like. We've lived to serve ourselves more than to serve you, ruling our lives as if they were our own, living for our own glory. Thank you that Jesus is your perfect image and likeness. Thank you that he came as the servant king and now rules over all creation for you. Thank you that he loved as you love, giving his life so that by trusting him, we can be forgiven and renewed in his image and likeness. Help us to look forward to the day when we will see him face to face, are fully like him and reign with him. Until then, help us to know Jesus better and reach out for your grace to grow more like him. Amen. Loving speaking Father, as we listen and engage with your word to us this morning, please show us more of your life-changing mercy which we've received through Jesus, so that we're drawn to worship you. Please, with your spirit, be changing us as your word renews our minds so that we're equipped to recognise and to do your will, to extend your rule in your world. Amen. Backing at one the part two side, the purple sheets. Uh, let me read just the Colossians reading that's there top left. Uh, Paul writing to Christian says, uh, The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, The next uh, few weeks, in fact pretty much between now and Easter, we're going to be thinking about what it means to be a disciple. Uh, And I guess connected to that, what what it looks like and means to to make disciples of others. Uh, And today I suppose is, is kind of background, teeing a lot of that up. Uh, We're wanting to understand uh, our identity as disciples within that big suite of God's big story, his big purposes for the world and for people. Uh, And hopefully what that will help us to see, and we'll be able to refer back to elements of this as we go, is that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not an add-on in life. It's not a hobby, one thing amongst many, something uh, that we can just add to the mix to help us live a bit better. Uh, To become and live as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to recover and to live out our God-given identity and purpose. Uh, It is to live, if you like, the, the fullest human life, to experience God's power to become more fully and truly ourselves. Most of all, it is to know God and to live in his love. 
to know uh, the joy and the meaning and the dignity that come with that as we uh, reflect him at ground level to the world around us, as we uh, extend his rule of joy and love and peace and life uh, day by day. Uh, so we, uh, we've said, haven't we, where are we now in God's big story between uh, these two sort of bookends of a world that's supposed to be full of people who are uh, like God, who love him, who represent him and who uh, extend his rule. Uh, we live in the messy in between. Uh, to, to, to take the Star Wars analogy, the Star Wars storyline again, we live in a world where there are evil empires where we are distorted image bearers, where we're ruling for ourselves, we've turned ourselves into kind of petty little despots and tyrants. That's why we're fighting with each other in small and big ways. We want to rule for ourselves. Uh, Colossians uh, 1, that meeting we've just had, describes uh, the situation broadly now as uh, the dominion of darkness. God looks at his people are not the way they're supposed to be. We don't belong in his new creation of people like him, living with him. We've disqualified ourselves. But what does Colossians say there? The Father has qualified us, if we're Christians, to share in this inheritance, this kingdom of light. How has he done that? Verse 13, he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness... And brought us into the kingdom of the Son, who he loves. Uh, Through Jesus, the Father has done three things for us there. He's qualified us, he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he's brought us into uh, the kingdom of his Son. He does it all. Uh, And without that, uh, the new creation, the new world that he's bringing about, it can't be full. It won't be filled with people. It'll have a population of one, Jesus Christ. Because without that, we're all disqualified. But God wants it to be full, and his purpose is unchanged. So human sin is not going to stop it. Evil empires aren't going to stand in its way. That's why now, in his big story, what God is all about is making sure that new creation is full. Uh, Jesus tells us that in uh, Luke 24, the next uh, reading down from there. Uh, Do you see it there? Uh, Let me read from verse 46. Jesus speaking says, this is what is written. This is God's plan uh, all along. Uh, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. In God's big story, in the big sweep of his purposes, now that Jesus died uh, and risen, he says, it's all about the gospel, uh, forgiveness and repentance being preached uh, in all the nations. That is what God is all about now. Uh, if you were here uh, last week, our, our memory verse uh, from uh, 2 Peter, remember Peter, Peter Andre there. Uh, God isn't slow in keeping his promises as some uh, understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but each one to come to repentance. Why hasn't God brought in the new creation yet? Because he's still busy filling it. He's patient. There's a window of opportunity now for people to come to repentance. What God is all about now is filling the new creation. And what that means is that his purpose for people is more than just saving them from judgment. 
God loves us, if you like, too much to leave us the way that we are. Marred image bearers, fair ground mirrors, distorting what he's like, telling lies about him by the way that we live, unable to fully reflect him, unable to fully enjoy his love. God's not content to leave us like that. So his purpose for every Christian, well, it's there in Romans 8. Uh, I've highlighted it there in blue. It is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. What is God all about in the world today? What purpose does he have for you and me? In a world full of fair ground mirrors, a world full of petty despots, A world where we don't love as God loves and we don't extend his life-bringing rule. God is, well, we can fill in the blanks. He's about filling the earth with people who are being made like God and who increasingly love God. So that we can represent him and extend his rule. He's making us into family likeness. Not on the outside, on the inside, so that we have hearts like his heart. That was his plan all along. And at last we land at Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus, about to ascend to the Father's right hand, says, Okay guys, this is what you need to go and do now. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, to the ends of the age. And when he says that, it's not a surprise, do you see? That's been God's purpose all along. It's not an optional extra. It's what God is all about in his world. He's all about filling it with people who are like him, who can extend his rule. What does that look like in a world where sin is spoiling things, where we're marred uh, image bearers, where Jesus died to save people? You can fill in the blanks at the bottom. It means growing as a disciple yourself. And making disciples of others. That's the pattern now. That is what God is all about in the world. Uh, So over the next little while, as we think about what it means to be a disciple, this is not a small thing. This is not how can we make better use of an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. This is a big thing. It's God's purpose for humanity. This is about who he's made you to be and what he's made you to do. It's not an add-on or an extra. It's not an optional thing that we can leave to other people. What it looks like now is to fill the earth with people who reflect the glory of the one who made us and who loves us. It is to grow as a disciple yourself and it is to make disciples of other people. So as we go through the next few weeks, that'll be the question we'll keep coming back to. What does it mean for us to grow to be disciples like this? Uh, We're going to see what being a disciple involves. It's going to involve sort of a change of allegiance as we uh, align ourselves with God. We make him uh, king of our lives. It's not a surprise because it's his rule we're extending, not our own. Uh, We're going to find that uh, to be a disciple means to learn from him. Uh, To be taught to obey everything he commands. Not a surprise. Because we're called to be like him and to love what he loves and to extend his rule. Uh, We're going to be called to uh, imitate the Lord Jesus. 
not a surprise. Because we're called to be like him, to bear the family likeness. That is God's purpose for his people now. And we're called to keep going when it's hard. Not a surprise, because we live in the in-between now, where there are evil empires and petty despots and all sorts of things that would pull us away from our allegiance to Jesus. All of what we're called to be as disciples makes sense when we see God's big purposes for his people. And hopefully they'll be really exciting. Because actually to live out uh, who it is God would have us be, well that is to know the joy that he made us for. Uh, It is to experience the the dignity and the meaning uh, of that life with him. Uh, But it ultimately will express in those questions... How then can we grow as disciples? How then can we make disciples of others? Because that is what God is all about for us. Uh, We're going to pause. And in a moment we're going to uh, pray. Uh, But why don't you perhaps uh, turn back to the people uh, next to you. And just think, how did the answer that you gave before, in terms of what the purpose of uh, humankind, of human life is, uh, how does that compare with something of what we've seen this morning? Uh, and you might want to think, how might you just tweak your, your sort of working definition a little bit? Uh, and what might it look like to uh, live that out uh, more fully? I'm going to give you two minutes. We can pick this up at the end uh, over coffee or over uh, our bring and share lunch. But how would you tweak your definition? And what difference might it make for you this week? Uh, let's take a few minutes.